0: Welcome to Stat Chat, Dishing It with D. Class. This is Dave Klatzky. For this first episode, it was an easy choice to have Kevin Hovde as we have spent hours upon hours talking about stats. He and his staff really care about stats. So in this episode, you'll hear a little bit of what they do and what they use um, and how they value what they value and I really hope you enjoy it. I think there's a lot to be learned, and this is just a small piece of what they do. You know, hopefully I can have Kevin on at a later date as well to talk more about it. But for now, here it is, first episode. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Stat Chat. Our first guest here is a good friend, uh, Kevin Hovdy. Played at Richmond for four seasons, and then after he was done playing. Went to Columbia, where he was a coach for four years, assistant for three, where they pulled off some school records, one being winning 25 games in in the same in one season, culminating in a CIT championship. Uh, then they Kevin and that staff moved on to San Francisco, where they had another 20-win season in their first year there. Uh, I would say, of the 350 or so Division One teams. Kevin and the San Fran staff is probably near the top 15 to 20 in valuing and using advanced statistics. But most importantly, and uh, why Kevin is the first guest, is he is about to be family as he is currently engaged to my younger sister. So, Kevin, welcome, and uh, why don't we get started, jump right in, and talk a little bit about what you guys do at San Fran uh, with advanced statistics.
1: I love it, Dave. I'm honored to be the very first guest <laughs> on Stat Chat.
0: Good to have you. Good to have you.
1: All right. Well, basically, I'll get it going. So probably the one thing that's probably different that we do than than most other schools, we obviously we've talked about this before, Um and that well, most Division One schools are use, are now using the Ken Palm stats one way or another, whether that's to evaluate your own team or using it uh, for scouting, um, and also um, open look open look or group statistics that are just measure, basically advanced stats that measure um, lineup data and plus-minus data, and that that information is kind of available to everyone. So I think. Most different stats are using that in some capacity. Um, some are using it more than others, obviously, but it's kind of available to everyone, so so everyone kind of understands what that is. Um, but I think the one thing that we're different on is we basically we use a pretty unique um, statistical system. We call it the Hustle Stats. It's actually copyrighted. Um, and it's basically 45 different stats that we keep um in practice, and in games. So any live 5-on-5 situation in practice, we are statting it and basically trying to get an efficiency rating for our guys based off these 45 different statistics that we keep. And everything has different values um ranging from um like the, the very best play you can make would be like a plus six, and the worst, the most negative play you can make would be a minus seven and kind of everything in between. So essentially we're trying to quantify um, every part of the game. Um, and, you know, just to, to make it even more simple, um, something that I think where that's, that makes people understand it more quickly is like, we always talk about like on a box score, a regular box score that you could get for a division one game. Um, there's only one stat that is, Keeping track of, of passing. There's only one passing stat. Um, and obviously that's an assist. And for us in our stats, we do keep assists, but we also have seven different passing stats in addition to just an assist. Um, so basically, you know, if you, if you drive and you draw the help and you drop it off to your big and he misses a layup, obviously in a game, you wouldn't get any credit for that pass. But in our stats, you get a positive mark for that, um, so we're we're trying to be very objective and give credit to to guys that are unselfish and good passers and that's just that's just the passing piece is just one small part of it again that's only eight of our forty five stats um, but it's a good way for people to kind of understand what we're trying to do
0: and that's a that's a good uh starting point. I think we can start with passing and to me, passing is a lot of decision making and yeah. for me. I think that the value of passing, like you said, should have different values. For instance, I know if you drive and you put an alley-oop up and a guy catches it and dunks it. Now, that's worth two points. Now, but what is the value of that pass and what is the value of the shot? It's not the same as if you pass it to somebody on the wing, they pull through, somebody comes over to help, they weave in and out, and they make the layup. Now yep. that pass you kind of set up the play. You still yeah. get the two points, but how exactly can you value that the same? To me it it can't be. Do you guys no. have a way of valuing something like that?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's not perfect. Um, you know, I think one thing for us is we would give like you mentioned like the alley-oop pass. Like both of those plays. So say like you throw a lob to a guy and he dunks it or you know, you throw a great pass for an easy layup, and the guy just lays it in or whatever. Um, The way we do it, like, obviously that's an assist, and an assist is the very best possible um, positive play. It's a plus plus six, which isn't going to mean anything to anybody on this that listens to this, but it's the most (laughs) positive play you can make. Um, But for a play like that as well, we might also give another positive pass, which we would call, like, like a penetrating pitch. So like a penetrating pitch is basically how we define it is like if you penetrate or drive um and draw help and make the right play. So just throw it out to a guy's open or um even if that doesn't, even if that doesn't lead to a basket or, or any offense, just the value of having a guy that's, that when you drive, you're making the right play that to us is, is a positive. And so, Normally our guys that are our best passers, normally they get a lot of those in practice and in game. So, um, you know, they might get in a whatever, if we play 100 possessions in practice, like our point guards might end up with like 20 penetrating pitches. And all of those are just, those aren't worth much. They're just plus one, you would say, right? So now to get back to my point about like throwing the lob, like if a guy throws a great pass for an assist, we might give him the assist and also, in addition, a penetrating pitch. So, like, that pass is worth a little bit more than if you just dribbled down and threw the ball to a guy on a wing and he just makes a three. That's still an assist. But obviously, like, that's just a really easy play that most most Division One players can make. Um, so it's not worth quite as much. So we do try to differentiate between those plays. But probably, like, the the difference between really setting a guy up for an easy layup or a dunk versus just, like, throwing it to a to guy for a jumper, there probably needs to be more of a difference in the way we stat. That's probably one area where, where it's not – you know, it's just an imperfection in our system um, because, again, both those plays are assists, but one pass is obviously, you know, much more difficult to make.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that's uh, kind of where decision-making comes in also in that yeah. – it, it, to, to us at Colgate, we we think decision making is fr- essentially the most important part of of playing, and and you guys it seems value it a little bit and, and find ways to to quantify it. Um, I like to talk about you know assisting plays versus safe plays, and yeah. I'm not sure you guys stat that. But for instance, let's say you drive into trouble, right, and you get double teamed, you have a couple options. You can you can pivot out and just get it out. Right. You can force a risk you know, force a risky pass which might get turned over or it might be an assist. You know, so there's a lot of different options that decision making comes into play and that's all stuff that has to happen, you know, in split second. Do you wanna do you guys have any way to value a safe pass versus maybe a, a risky pass that could lead to points? Yeah. And yep. it might not well, it might not lead
1: to points. Well I think the the easiest thing that kind of sorts that out is that the way we do it turnovers are just really really punitive so like we and we we differentiate between a regular turnover like a travel or whatever you throw the ball out of bounds versus a live ball turnover that actually creates transition so getting stolen or throwing to the other team um and basically a bad turnover is the very worst play you could possibly make in our whole 45 you know 45 different stats that we use um so the guys that get a lot of those they just get they just get pushed to the bottom. It, it's too big um it's too big a negative to for those guys to survive and do well in our system. So I think that kind of sorts it out. Um, you know, normally we've been I've been you know, I've been using the system now for six years and the biggest the um the biggest thing I would say about it, is, and it's and especially with the passing is it's going to get the guys out there that aren't turning it over, and in general, are trying to are are good playmakers, if you will. Um, so you know, essentially, those two things: if you're a good playmaker, you don't turn it over. Then you're probably a pretty good decision maker um, because you're trying to make plays and not turning it over. But, Pass, you know, in the in the eight passes. Wait, I, I lost
0: you there. You lost uh, me? I didn't. Yeah, go back to if you're a good. Passer, you're essentially a good decision maker, and then I lost you.
1: Yeah. Well, did you did you get the part about the turnovers versus live turnovers?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I got all that. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. So basically, and again, we're just talking about the passing and ball handling stats that we keep. So I mentioned the eight passing stats, um, different passes, and then also. Uh, there's the negative ball handling stats that we keep as well, like turnover, live turnover, um, if you mess up a play, we call it an offense rotation, but if you mess up a play, um, you know, that's a negative. So basically we're quantifying those. If you, if you put them all together, there's maybe 12 or 13 just ball handling stats, you know, and we, we just say, all right, this is our ball handling section. Um, and then at the end of that, you can kind of see your total number for ball handling each day, whether that's positive or negative. And then how many possessions you play, you know? Um, so you can really get your efficiency rating. But I think in general, the guys that normally do really well in the ball handling, in our ball handling uh, section, are the guys that, number one, try to make a lot of plays. Um, so those are the guys with the high penetrating pitch numbers. Um, even And that doesn't necessarily have to be a guard with the ball in hands all the time making those plays. We had a guy at Columbia. Isaac Cohen who wasn't really he was more of a I mean he was he was kind of a point forward more um but he was just a really good passer, really good decision maker. So he would throw like great skip passes in transition. You know, he would he would bring it in transition off a rebound and try to make a play um like a little pitch back to try to get a guy a shot. And those are great plays. Um so in general the guys that are trying to make plays, trying to create offense and make passes with a low turnover rate um, you know, those guys are normally your best decision makers and the stats just kind of they quantify it and they just kind of iterate that to your team. When those when you see those numbers every day like all right, here's our best ball handler based on our hustle stats and how we're quantifying it. You know, those are normally the guys that just by the eye test like any coach would be able to see like, "Alright, that guy's a good decision maker. He has a good feel. He has a good sense for the game." Um, you know, it's pretty, now, pretty now how do you
0: guys business, like So, one of the one of the problems I think most coaches can run into is, so obviously turnovers are bad. I don't think any coach would would argue that. But you can not turn the ball over by dribbling in one place for 20 seconds or by not ever trying anything risky. So meaning I'm never even going to try and make a play. Uh, How do you guys balance in how you teach your guys or emphasize – the, the the value of of turnovers versus making plays like how how do you guys find the balance between um you know uh wanting guys to make plays but not yeah. turn the ball over
1: Yeah you know what that that's something um and really in general like from a general standpoint especially when you're dealing with so many like you know, we're giving our guys so much data. And, you know, we were at Columbia, like obviously you're dealing with smart, Ivy guys like yourself. And uh, so those guys in general, those guys are achievers. They want to do well. They want to beat the grid. They want to, you know, they want to have a good efficiency rating every day. And so the danger of that, and it's kind of the same thing as, like you said, like the danger of like, you're almost afraid to make a play because you know that it could end up badly, right? And the danger of, of giving them so much feedback, especially the guys that are going to be thinking about it all the time, is, like, you don't want your guys thinking about, you know, 45 different stats all the time and what you're doing. You want guys to just play, right? So the the way that we approach it is, like, we'll give guys, like, one or two or really two or three things per week. And, and really heavy on it, especially in the fall, like, when we start practice. And we'll say, all right, just focus on these three things, these three categories. Um, So, you know, just for the ball handling standpoint, like, you might look at it like, all right, you need to get more penetrating pitches. You need to try to make more plays. Um, You know, like, I could say, Dave, like, you're doing a really good job not turning the ball over in your ball handling stats. You only have, you know, one turnover for every 30 possessions. That's an awesome number. Like, you're taking care of the ball, doing a great job, for 30. So, you're not trying to make enough plays. So Let's see if you can try to make more plays. think about how you can get guys shots. be a little bit more aggressive attacking the rim while maintaining your your turnovers at a low rate. So that's how we'll we'll coach that and approach it and like you know like they're not going to be able to beat the system by just making sure they don't turn it over because that all that does is make sure that you don't have negatives but if you're not if you're not getting positive marks by making positive ball handling plays, you'll get you'll get pushed towards the bottom because most everyone on our team is going to be, have a positive efficiency margin. Like when it's all said and done and we get our final number each day, um, our final value from our system, and then divide it by the amount. Just to
0: backtrack a little bit, can can you just explain um, how you get that number? I know we've talked about it, but like, is it you? Is it a manager? Like, is it live? Yeah. how do you eventually get that
1: yeah well basically what we do is we don't we're not live statting during the during the practice that's something that would be impossible to do so basically we film every single live ball five on five situation in practice and then we have a manager on the side keeping track of possessions so total amount of possessions that each guy's playing and we have like you know, we have some spreadsheets that make it easy for them to do that. So it's very easy to just put the names in and then, uh, you know, tally every time. For us, a possession is every time you cross half court. So like, that's different than like Ken Palm. Um, you know, and we were doing this stuff before, or Coach Smith was doing this stuff before Ken Palm came out, but like, you know, Ken Palm is like, if, if, if Ken Palm says a game of 60 possessions, that, you know, that's 120, uh, Whatever, sixty offense possessions, sixty defense possessions, right? So um, mm. that's different for us how we track it. We track uh every time you run over half courts of possession. So anyway, so manager will keep track of those possessions. Then we go back, they'll put it on all the they'll put the practice foam on all the assistant coaches' computer, and then we break it down in offense, defense, and rebounding. So I just stat offense. So I'm just looking at, at our offense, keeping track of and it's really two parts. It's ball handling, which we've been talking about in depth here. And then just shooting, and that's obviously some, you know, we keep about 10 or 11 shooting stats as well, and drawing fouls as well as part of shooting. So I'm statting that. Another coach is statting defense, which basically, like a lot of programs, we keep positive hustle plays and then negative defensive plays, like getting driven around or missing rotation, um, stuff like that. And then the third part is rebounding, and that's pretty simple. Blockouts, missed blockouts, obviously grabbing offensive, defense rebounds, tips controlled tips, um, not going after the ball, getting two feet in the paint, you know, I could go on. But um, so those are – that's how we – that's our process. So, really, that will take – like, if we play for an hour of practice, it will probably take me about an hour and a half to stat it um, after practice, just offense. Um, and so then it's after all the-
0: since you do it every – since you do it every day, it's, it's basically – it's kind of consistent because – it's your view. That's
1: very, very important. Yeah, that's very important because there are a few things that are subjective. Like I said, it's not perfect, but especially when you're talking about ball handling stats and like I get to decide like, all right, this guy drives and makes a play like that was a really good play. Or even like if a guy makes a great extra pass, you know what I mean? Like, so if a guy drives and penetrates and like you catch the ball on the wing and step in, and like you throw the extra pass for a more open shot. Like I might give a plus one for that. Um, just because I think it's such a good play or whatever. So it, that is important because not everyone thinks about the game the same way. And that's the value of having like an assistant who's been there for this long, probably as well. Um, because our, our offensive stats are really consistent over the past six years, you know? Um, right. but obviously, you know, different coaches are going to look at it a little bit differently. And again, I mean, most of it is objective, but some of it is subjective. And, you know, um, I think the defensive stuff is more objective. Like it's very easy to tell, like, if you get driven around, um, and obviously, you know, if you rotate the right way and that kind of stuff. So, um, right. anyway, so we tallied up, I like offense, defense, rebounding, and then we give those sheets to, uh, you know, our manager or whatever, whoever. Sometimes I do it and we, we, input that data into an excel spreadsheet with all the 45 different stats and then out of that all the different stats have different values so i mentioned like one assist assist is plus six uh, turnovers you know minus seven whatever um they all have little small different values and then it the system quantifies those so you get a total in your offense defensive rebounding total each day so that's going to be just a whole number so for example that number could be 30 total you know say you were plus plus 10 in all three, plus 10 in, ball, in offense, plus 10 in defense, plus 10 in rebounding. Um, and then uh, and then you're going to divide that number by your total number of possessions that you played in practice. So, you know, a guy could be plus 30 and then be, and played 60 possessions in practice. So his efficiency rating that day would be 0. .5. And obviously, you know, that's different than another guy could be plus 30 and his he only played 40 possessions in practice. So what he did is more impressive than that. Obviously, that would be a 0.75. That's a better rating. So that's kind of that's how we do it. That's the and, the and then
0: I, I know we we've we've chatted about this before, but I think one of the interesting things that you and, and Coach Smith kind of said to me is that the way you guys kind of motivate or or drive your guys, you know, a lot of staffs and I, you know I, I played and I coach, and, and a lot of times we're trying to get them, everyone's trying to get the most out of their guys. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of times that has to be, you know, a coach being a little hard, being tough, going after a guy yeah. to see yeah. if a kid can overcome that chaotic situation or yeah. can he handle the, the pressure? Uh, basically, like, can he beat the coaches? And, and we yeah. talked about that and, and you guys don't really do it that way. How how would you explain how you yeah. guys motivate pure uh, practice
1: well you're essentially you're in a way i like how you said beat the coaches because you're essentially trying to beat the grid and that kind of the grid the system does the coaching for you in a sense um, so you're just giving them this objective data and emphasizing what you want them to work on so it allows us to be really positive because in general when you know that you're getting statted like this when you know that you're getting evaluated and this is going to matter this is going to show up on i'm going to walk in the locker room and it's going to be posted tomorrow what i did in this moment you'll play pretty hard especially if you get guys that care about it and obviously like that goes back to recruiting and being very specific in recruiting about this and making sure guys are opting into this system you know um so so that's part of it and like it's funny because, like, I played for a coach who who didn't really look at much data. I don't know, you know, it was six years ago, so I don't know how much he's looking at now. But um, we didn't have any stats, you know. I mean, he might look at a box score, but we didn't keep track of any practice, hustle stats, or shooting percentages, or anything. Um, and it was just kind of, uh, you know, and he would motivate that way. Like you said, like try, it was more trying to beat the coaches. Like, he was going to motivate you by getting on you. Um, you know, if you if you weren't doing what he wanted you to do, so when I got to Columbia, it was like a complete one eighty coaching style. Um, and there's different ways to do it, obviously. Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways it works, um, but this is just. Yeah, again, I, I
0: like to say, and obviously, uh, I think uh, I played for a coach. Same thing, advanced you know, statistics. You know, fifteen, twenty years ago, weren't yeah. <laughs> weren't a thing. And yeah. and I think my coach, Coach Dunphy, who's now at Temple. It was one of the best coaches there, there there is out there, and now that everything has come out on the advanced statistics, it's funny when I look back in that he didn't know it, but he was his intuition about basketball supported, or I guess it was vice like first yeah. the the stats supported the way he coached without yeah. him really knowing it. He just has he's just such a good coach that he 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 did it right without all the advanced statistics. Yeah. So it is, it, you're right, there's many different ways to do it, but, sure. uh, you know, the math sure. kind of helps solidify or validate what you're doing. Yep.
1: Yeah, and I think, too, like, with the way the game's going, you know, and everything's becoming more statistical, and advanced statistics, and, like, the NBA, how much those guys are using it, in all aspects, not just playing, and, like, obviously, we can get into this more about the stuff that they're, the video stuff that those NBA guys use, and, Um, and also in like the general, the management side, just evaluating the analytically looking at everything in terms of, um, you know, just trying to figure out who to trade for or who to draft and that kind of stuff. But, you know, I think this is the way the game's going. So I think, especially in recruiting, like, I think it's really, really good for guys, like, to see, like, here's our investment in you. You know what I mean? Like, you can see this, like, you're opting into this grid of 45 different stats, um, you know, and, over time, you're trying to get really, really good at these things that don't take talent because nothing really, nothing really takes talent on our in the stats that we use. It's all about decision making and being tough. So that's what those guys, the guys that do well those those are the guys that'll, that'll do really well in our in our system, and and those are the guys that will play because you know we're going to play the guys that do well in this. So um, you know, and the honestly, like the. The thing that, that is difficult with it is like, for, for us, because the defensive stuff and rebounding stuff matters so much, you can actually do really well in this system and not be able to really score. So the danger is like, you're getting guys out there that can't score, that are just tough. And that's where it's like, it's not, especially as you get into the season and you get a few games in, you can mix, you gotta mess with your lineups and like, you know, obviously eventually you're gonna have to play some guys that might be a little softer aren't as tough, but they can put the ball in the basket. And that's another part of it in recruiting. Like, we have to tell the guys, hey, just because you do really well in this, we still get to decide who plays. Like, this whole, this matters a lot. And if you're the top eight of this, you're going to get in there and you're going to be in the rotation. But this doesn't guarantee that you're starting. You've got to be able to shoot and and make baskets. So that's another piece of it. Well, I, I,
0: I that, that was going to be kind of my next segue. But I, I think it's so important. um and, like, as you said, stats are one thing, but you're you know you're the coaches, and you're making the final decision and The example I like to use with guys is I'm not necessarily playing the five best guys at the same time, meaning uh like if this the seventh guy in minutes played the fourth guy or fifth guy in minutes one on one and the seventh guy won, that doesn't necessarily mean he would fit in best with the three or yeah. four guys that kind of have to play, and yeah. sometimes you need that role player as the fourth or fifth or, or fifth, yeah. you know, just the fifth guy out there because he fits in better with yeah. guys one through four, and that's a really tough thing to, for kids, you know, 18 to 22 to understand because, I'm like, they can be like, I'm killing this kid in practice, but then they for get in sure. the game, and their role is not the role of the first or second best. It's got to be the role of the fourth or fifth. And they just right. can't accept that or, or understand it. But as coaches, we all we've been there. So do you run into problems with that with your stats, where guys are like, "I'm third in in the in the stat total that you or the hustle yeah. stats, but I'm playing five yeah. to ten minutes a game."
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, not five to ten, honestly. Like, if you're a top five or top six guy in the hustle stats, that's really like top half of your team or top forty percent of your team. You're going to be in there in the rotation. We've never had a guy that like, we're sitting in the office like, we can't play this guy, but you know, he's so tough. <laughs> we can't play him, you know? Um, so that's, that's part of it. Like you're going to be in the rotation, but definitely like the starting and the, especially those minutes, like, you know, whether you play, you're playing 16 minutes or 24 minutes, you know, that, that is something like, um, that we got to decide based on, based on, uh, you know, really who fits well with your best players. I think that's what you're trying to figure out. Like, um, you know, you want to get your best scorers out there somehow. That's at least how we look at it. Um, your most talented scorers, those are the guys that we we want to play. Um, I don't know if everyone's like that, but we, we kind of always lean that way towards towards offense. And, uh, and so who fits well with them? And that's where I think you do need some guys who are defender, blenders, um, who are tough and, and easy to play with. And that's they're trying to figure that out. Um, we actually, it's funny, we had, we actually had a guy this year at USF who was a really, probably our best or second best talent, um, but didn't do well in the hustle stats. He was really soft um, and just, you know, was getting buried defensively. Uh, but every time we ever put him in a game, whether that was like, you know, the last five minutes of the game and that we were winning or losing or whatever, um, he always produced. He did really well. He would score. And it kinda of the same thing in practice. You would like have practice where you just like getting buckets. And you're like, God, we gotta find a way to get this guy out here. But we we just couldn't. He just wasn't tough enough and just didn't do well enough in our hustle stats. Um but uh but i was just thinking about that as I was saying, we we try to get our best scores out there. That's a guy that we that we knew we couldn't play. Um but uh but yeah, it is interesting. There's lineup and obviously like you can look at lineup data, but, like, you always find guys, like, especially as coaches, I think those are always our favorite guys, the guys that are really good blenders. Like, I remember, like, Luke Rowe, the guy that you coached at Colgate, he was like that. Um, oh, yeah. You know, just a really good passer and great feel for the game and tough and was never – I don't know. He might have maybe ever seven or eight of games last year, maybe more. I don't know. But he he's just – uh whatever, he's just a good player. He's to play with. And if you got some high-usage guys around him, Um, you know, then he can play, he can play on a really, really good team, um, because he just has a good feel. And he's never going to do really, really well in the, in the, you know, his, his, in the hustle stat. He's never going to be a high usage guy. You know, his O rating was probably good, but he's never going to be a high usage guy in like 10 pump stats or anything like that. But he's just a really good player and you need him out there. He makes you win, you know?
0: Yep. Yep. Those, those are guys you look for, you know, guys that, and his, uh, I don't know what his, like you said, was off the top of my head, but he was a guy that shot probably 55% from the floor because he only took layups, you know, he yeah. couldn't shoot. So he got to the, he got to the rim, he'd make layups and get fouled. And, uh, yeah. and, and just was a rock, like just a, a yeah. rock for us. And, and I think those, a lot of what he did would show up in what, you, you know, your yeah. hustle stats because yeah. he was a great rebounder. He didn't turn it over. He he made plays and, and, yeah, uh, exactly. You know, but he, he, he would have been a
1: hustle stat monster for sure. Um, He really would he probably would have been, you know, the first or second best guy on our team if he had been in this situation.
0: Um, Have you ever run into a a situation where like how much does it correlate to play in the game? Meaning have you ever had a guy either way really that like dominated the hustle stats and then in games couldn't get it done or like his hustle stats were like okay and was a a monster on the court? (laughs)
1: Yeah, absolutely. So normally those are guys, again, the hustle stats are weighted. Everything's weighted equally uh, pretty much. So, like, the guys that can do – like, the guys that are great defenders and rebounders but can't really score, they still do well in the hustle stats. Um, and, obviously, those guys really hurt you. Um, just in Division One, like, you have to be able to score. You have to be able to shoot. If you can't shoot – you know, you can only play one guy that can't shoot at a time, really, is what we kind of say. Um, so, so that would be one thing. Like, we had a guy at Columbia, um, when we first got there who did, who was like really, really tough. He was like four or five, really tough, and did really well in hustle stats. He rebounded the ball really well and, uh, was one of our best defenders, but was just an absolutely awful offensive player. So, you know, it's like, how are you going to play when he's in the game? Like, we're really good defensively, but we just can't score at all. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I mean, you can't, you can't play that guy all the minutes. You know, you can only, that guy has to have a more limited role. Um, and, uh, and then obviously it goes the other way too. There's guys that can really score. Like it's funny, like our best player at Columbia, um, Otto Lowe, you know, he, he was a really, uh, you know, obviously a, a very, very good talent, pro talent probably. Obviously he's making, he's doing really well in, in uh, in Europe, but, um, he never, he was always like top five guy in the hustle stats, but he never like made the breakthrough where he could be like number one or number two, um, just because he wasn't good enough defensively, wasn't tough enough, and not a good enough ball handler. But he had an insane talent for being able to make shots and make shots off the dribble. So that's did that did that really, make you
0: question or reassess value? Because like clearly, Mato Low was one of your top two best players, yeah. and I and I would think. Yeah he would be, like, one of the top guys that leads to winning, which is what this is all about, trying to yeah, quantify sure. things that yep. lead to winning. So yep. did, did it make you, a, like, want to reassess and be like, all right, well, what he does leads to winning. How can we kind of fix the stats so
1: so yep. that shows well, up? It did, yeah. Well, actually, for him not specifically, like, he always did well enough in the hustle stats where it's like, all right, he always won his position, you know, like, he was going to play. Um but, for the other guy I mentioned, the non shooter, it did because that that obviously was a more bigger discrepancy when like we were just bad offensive him in the game, so um, I mean, the bad offensive player that I was talking about before, the four five so for him, we actually tried to uh you know, we went through his whole junior year, he's like top two guy in the hustle stats, but we weren't very good, so then going into his senior year, we actually talked about it, we were like, listen, this guy's gonna win the job, like we have to look at this differently, like we have to get more scoring out there. So we actually basically added another metric that basically quantified scoring more and then added that into the hustle stat, basically divided that into the hustle stats. So the guys that were scoring more and making, you know, able to make threes, um, it's, it increased their number a little bit. We tried to do that that year. Um, Really (laughs) get him out of the lineup. I'm laughing about it. Think about it.
0: Right.
1: Uh, you know, so, so that was one, but I really, we haven't run into it that much. Um And obviously, like, you know, like Motto was definitely one of our best players, no doubt about it. And the hustle stats, like, I'd be the first to tell you, like, it's not going to get your five best players out there. It's just, it will measure who's your toughest guys. So the guys that win it will be the toughest guys and, uh, you know, just good decision makers. That's, that's what it will measure. But obviously you can't play five of those guys. You might not be able to score. You know, you need you need some talent in yeah. shooting. Sure. Yeah, yeah.
0: So. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it back to decision making real quick because uh, one of the things that I would like to quantify, and maybe you have an idea or, or you guys do it, is seeing the pass. So we talk about it all the time, and and like, granted, I was a point guard, a pass pass first point guard. So for me, when I play, I I, I can see things. Um, that I want to teach, but it's hard. It's hard. And and, uh, an example I'm kind of just thinking of is, you know, let's say you're coming down in transition, you know, if one guy clears through, another guy is going to be open. But you kind of have to see it in your mind to wait for it to happen. Do you guys have a way to, one, quantify that, and, two, practice it? Or or do you think that's beyond stats and it's just you have it or you don't?
1: Well, we don't quantify just – I mean, we don't have a way to quantify just seeing it. I mean, if a guy does it – like, if a guy brings in transition and he's looking middle and someone in the middle cuts and he throws a skip pass or, like, penetrates middle and, and throws out, obviously that's a positive – you know, a tangible, positive play that we track. So the guys that actually make those plays, um, you know, we are quantifying that in a way. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, honestly, I'm not sure how much better. I think you can get marginally better at, at making those decisions. Like, um but I haven't seen a guy really make huge jumps as far as, like, a feel or sense for the game. I think you kind of have it or you don't. It's kind of part of it is a talent, and I think part of it is just playing when you're young. Like, playing a lot. Like, two, like, three on three, four on four. Um, You know, I think I just feel like, you know, like, guys – I just feel like guys don't play as much anymore, you know. Like, I grew up just playing. Yeah. pickup. I didn't do many drills or workouts, you know. Um, so, and, you know, like, I think I, – I really think that makes you de- develop a sense for the game. Like, you're just thinking about how to get other guys' shots, and you just have spent a lot more time playing so you have a better feel for where guys are when different plays are happening, you know. Um Yeah, so,
0: I, I guess – I guess you're right it it does kind of get measured like I'm thinking of the negative side of it where if you miss a pass do you get docked but you're right it kind of works the other way where if you yeah. make enough good plays it's going to show up in all yeah. like, in all those passing stats that we just talked about yep, uh, yep. so you kind of do get credit for it and yeah. and like, I, I I think like I, I think it can be practiced a little and I, I try and think of ways to help our guys. But to me, if you put guys in situations, like you said, if you play hours and hours and have the same situation, you're going to get better at the situation. But there's so many situations in basketball, you can't do that. So you have to try and create as many chaotic situations that create opportunities where guys can learn what might be open if this happens.
1: Well, yeah. That happens.
0: Yeah. And it's tricky. It's hard.
1: Yeah. The one thing that we do, that we do do that I think has been really good is like, um, we do like four, a lot of four and four, like full court, um, basically creating an, an advantage for the offense where you're going essentially four on three with a guy trailing, getting back in the play. And as a guard, you have to make the right play. Normally, like the thing that we always talk about, um, for guards and really the, our guys that are handling the ball. Um, is, like, in college, one huge difference from college to high school is, like, the defense is going to cover up the basket. Like, any good college defensive team, like, if you penetrate and say a big helps up or helps, you know, that's the last line of defense to say, that guy's helping. You know, in high school, normally you can drop it down to your big or hit a guy on a pick and roll just because the defense isn't as good. But in college, like, a guy's going to rotate, you know, they're going to cover that up so can you see the pass out, you know, can you throw out, can you penetrate and throw out, um, and that's what, you know, that's what we, we really try to work on, That that would be one thing, I think, in decision making, like, we get really upset when a guy tries to hit a roller, or tries to throw, like, an obvious pass that's not, there. you know, what we would call, like, tries to drop it down to a big at the basket when it's, when it's not there, that's something that, like, we really just have no tolerance for so we're trying we're always trying to say throw out 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 you know get that guy shot Interesting. That and guy that medication. goes
0: back to that goes back to the risk versus reward where you know you yeah. can drop a dime to a big with in a crowded situation or you could probably yeah. throw out to somebody wide open for a catch and shoot yep. three which yep. will, have, will have to be another uh episode of, about catching shooting but uh but yeah. that's um, is that something that you is that part of the hustle stats of a throw out? Because if yeah. you drive out of control, you actually you have to be able to stop and throw out, whether it's yeah. across the court or behind you. Is that is that a yeah. plus one or, or something yeah. for you guys?
1: Yeah, that's a plus one. So that would be like the definition of a penetrating pitch. Which again, like I mentioned, like our point guard will get most of those because we put them. We just put them in a lot of on ball. Or ball screen situation. So, like, you're getting more chances to penetrate and make a play. Um, but yeah, that is something we do talk about is like making the right play. And really, that, those are the guys that are your best players. I mean, if you, if you're as a guard, if you can make that play the right, if you can make the right play every time, um, in that situation when you penetrate, you know, you're, you're a pro. That's what pros do. That's what pro guards do. They can make the right play every time. Um, right. Right. You know? And so we'd love to, we haven't had one of those yet. <laughs> we've had, uh, we've had a couple that are really good passers, but are deficient in some other areas that, you know, particularly non, most of the guys that we've been able to get that are really good passers or good sense for the game guys are non shooters. So, right. We'd, love to be able to, right. we'd love to be able to get one that can shoot and do all that stuff. So,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's, uh, that's a good, good uh, thing to end on there. Um, yeah. And hopefully we can both find some players that that will be pros uh yeah. or currently that we have can can end up being pros. But um yeah. I wanna I wanna thank you. I know for me and you this is just another conversation. We've talked hours upon hours about everything basketball and uh you know, much to the dismay of our uh significant others who have to sit, <laughs> sit and listen to us talk about <laughs> basketball. But uh they are they you're now family, so they'll have to get used to it. Um, No doubt. But I want to thank you again, and uh, I'm sure I will see you soon. But thanks a lot, Kevin, and uh, best of luck to you guys.
1: Appreciate it, man. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me on.
0: No problem.